I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. Of course, the podcast for Bucky's Fifth Quarter for all your Wisconsin Badgers news, notes, and analysis. I'm Jay Kokorowski. We've got Owen Reese, and we are really excited. It's a new era here for Bucky's Fifth Quarter. Why, you ask? Because we're now part of the SB Nation Team Brands Network in terms of podcasting, and we got a lot more. It's going to be a lot more fun. Really, not much is changing on your end unless you listen through our SoundCloud app. Obviously, we're moving to a new network. But for those that are subscribing to Apple or Google Play, uh, other networks that are part of it, you not that should not change based off of what we've done on the back end on, uh, for us. So that's that's a good thing. You may hear a couple of commercials here and there. Just that's just the way they pay the bills, folks. But nothing's going to change in terms of our our, our analysis, our guests going to you know have a lot coming to you especially with basketball and in the way the Wisconsin Badgers are playing right now with Ethan Happ winning, you know four game winning streak uh, and their win against Nebraska on Tuesday night we'll get into that real quick uh in just a little bit we'll also have some recruiting news uh we'll have our interview with 2020 linebacker Cole Dakovich uh from Catholic Memorial in Waukesha about his verbal commitment to Wisconsin and we're going to have a lot more. Uh, and Owen, man, I'm just I'm happy to have you as my co-host, man. We're going to have some fun. We're going to talk some football, too, uh, for the majority of this show, not just recruiting, but we're going to have a lot of fun just talking about just uh, 2019 already and so much more coming forward as now part of the Team Browns Network. Absolutely. Uh, glad, to, glad to be your co-host for this. And uh, it's a great opportunity for us. Um, obviously, the the podcast has done well thus far, but – Joining the SB Nation team brands is obviously a, a step up and a way to, to grow uh, and continue to progress as a podcast. So we're excited for that. Uh, also, a big week for the Waukesha, huh? Big week yeah. for the Gate, two commits, and uh, JC Latham's going to IMG. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, a big, big time for, for Classic Eight, where Classic Eight, where Cole Dakovich, you know, the, you know, from Waukesha Memorial committed, uh, you know, to the Badgers and then. Uh, Chim, uh, yeah, Chimray DK from Waukesha North, also verbally committed to Wisconsin. And then on top of that, today, even Ben Cruel from Catholic Memorial, teammates with Dakovich, committed to Purdue after being offered. And so, yeah, that's big. And then you're talking about J.C. Latham, the probably the apparent five-star, high four-star defensive lineman, played at Catholic Memorial, now is taking his talents down to IMG, down in Bradenton, Florida. Yeah, so a lot going on there. It's uh, and uh, we'll get into that a little bit more too uh, later in the show before uh, we play the interview with Dakovich. So a lot of fun there. 
uh, I'd say, oh, I mean, before we get into anything, let's let's talk about basketball real quick. We talked with Nick, Nick Olson earlier this week, a, a great podcast with Nick from Scotty Sports Talk, currently a Wisconsin student, but he's doing a lot and his name's everywhere where he's either covering the Milwaukee Bucks or he's talking the Chicago Bears or he's obviously he's covering the, the Wisconsin Badgers both for football and for basketball. And he had a great preview for both Nebraska and Maryland. Next thing you know, you know, Wisconsin comes out with a 62-51 victory at the vault in Pinnacle Bank Arena in Lincoln, Nebraska, and another game where you saw Ethan Happ uh, play pretty well. Uh, but, you know, he was contained for, for a moment, but you saw guys like Brad Davison step up, some key role players, uh, Brevin Pritzel for one with eight points, and then Charles Thomas, uh, only six minutes, but five points, three, re- three rebounds, and then the defense, again, taking over, and in holding Nebraska uh, to under thirty percent shooting for the for the game, including twenty three percent in the first half alone, so uh, a lot of good things coming out of Lincoln on Tuesday night for Wisconsin. Absolutely. Um, so we talked about this uh, in the past, but so I'm from uh, Adams Friendship, Wisconsin, where so I went to high school. And growing up, you know, we were raised on you play defense. You play. You give everything you have on defense. You can rest on offense, right? So that's just where I come from, from a basketball standpoint, from a background standpoint. So growing up, obviously, the older Wisconsin Badgers, the mid two uh, thousands, I guess, in the early twenty tens, like really resonated with me as a fan. Um, a lot of obviously defense and lower scoring games, and really prioritizing the basketball. And while like you certainly never wanted to take for granted the final four years with Frank and Sam Decker and. Bronson Koenig and Nigel Hayes and, and all the talented kids that were on those teams, it just always felt a little bit dirty to me every time I would watch the Badgers win and it would be like 85 to 75. Um, so obviously that was obviously super successful for them, but it's kind of like a guilty pleasure for me uh, to see the Badgers playing these games in the 60s and 50s and holding their their opponents to 50 points. So um, always a good time for me to watch that. Obviously not always not the most aesthetically pleasing games to watch, but uh, I'm a big fan of those games. And uh, obviously, yeah, big fan of Ethan Happ, who, uh, as you said, was kind of contained. Uh, and Robbie Hummel on the Big Ten Network kind of talked about that after the game. Uh, Nebraska, for a lot of the game, uh, kind of just went one-on-one. Obviously they had a bunch of they, – they would try double teaming, and he would uh, Happ would typically uh, – get the ball where it needed to go for an open three-point shot. But uh, a lot of one-on-one defense for Ethan Happ, so that kind of limited him a bit. Um, but his teammates were there to pick him up, and I think that's going to be the recipes for success for Wisconsin moving on this year. Absolutely. And, yeah, you, I mean, you talk about some – you know, Nebraska goes on a scoring drought of its own about – I think it was over six minutes. Wisconsin comes back, has has a scoring drought of its own. Uh, and then, you know, they come back and, and just uh, – Basically, Nebraska takes the lead for a bit. Wisconsin fights back, and then ultimately, Wisconsin takes charge and, and a good victory there against. I mean, a team that was ranked 17th in Ken Palm. I think they're now 22nd. Uh, when I last checked earlier today in Ken Palm, so another big win for Wisconsin. And they take on Maryland tomorrow, or not tomorrow night, but Friday night at the Cole Center. They're calling it a whiteout uh, for those students that listen there, so they want fans wearing all white to the game on that end, and that'll be a big game for the Badgers to hopefully for, for those that obviously cheer for the team and for the players themselves exact a little bit more revenge on the, uh, on the Terps for the home or the, the away loss uh, that they suffered a couple of weeks ago before going on the four game winning streak they're on. But from there, uh, you make sure you guys listen to, you know, the episode 
the last episode it was uh, with Nick as he broke down Maryland and what Wisconsin needs to do there. So, uh, but you know, that's some quick takeaways there since we talked so much basketball just a few days ago, Owen, let's get into some football talk, right? Winter conditioning started last week for the Wisconsin Badgers. Uh, the, we first reported it uh, yesterday. Bucky's fifth quarter did that. And we confirmed with a Wisconsin official after some people had been asking about just the, their Instagram pictures or their, or their Twitter pictures that did not have, uh, did not have Alex Hornibrook in there. Right. Well, we confirmed with a Wisconsin official that he is participating in winter conditioning. Uh, and so, you know, that it's a good sign for Alex who obviously practiced for about two to three weeks of bowl practices, according to head coach, Paul Christ. But uh, you know, he had to be, it, you know, basically was shut down when it came to, you know, he had some recurring symptoms from a head injury that he suffered uh, sometime. We're thinking during the season, we still don't know exactly when, but now he is doing some winter conditioning with, the team and uh i mean i know you had had some takes on on uh, uh our our favorite quarterback joel stave and then also alex hornybrook uh on twitter yesterday but but your thoughts on on hornybrook participating and and what could lie ahead owen sure so uh, i guess for those uh unfamiliar with the, the concussion protocol kind of how it works is um once you get once you get a concussion uh once you're diagnosed with one then you it's typically a day or so and then you they'll use what's called an impact test and you take that impact test and that's what measures like your brain's processing ability and your reaction and quickness in those um reflexes right so after that once you pass that then it's it's light conditioning and then followed by regular physical exertion that's the turn that off i don't know why that's doing that so that's the um so the next part is the physical exertion. Uh, you use that, and that's kind of the way that they're able to um, measure how the brain's um, the brain's re- reacting. Excuse me uh, to the treatment, and obviously continuing. And then that's the last stage. If you can get through the uh, the physical exertion, and there's no more symptoms or no more um, lingering side effects to the injury, uh, that's that's the best way to to get through that. So. Um, Obviously, very good news for Alex Hornerbrook to get through that and be um, participating. And then that's really the the next step to preparing for the summer and the season is to kind of get back in that with your teammates. So uh, glad to hear that he's going through that. Obviously, it was a bit of an odd situation with him having working the couple weeks and then getting taken back out. So, um, you know, hopefully that extra time is what he needed uh, health wise and, and to be really ready to go here for for winter lifting. So definitely encouraging for the Badgers quarterback and the Badgers as a whole. So just making sure too, where, where are you getting that uh, in terms of just the, the, the whole protocol? Uh, is that from your time? Owen is a former, you know, division three offensive lineman at Carroll university within the Waukesha area. Uh, where, like, where exactly did you get that type of info just so that people know where, where that came from? Sure. Um, so I had two diagnosed concussions during my college career. Um, one during my sophomore year and then another during my senior year. And the uh, my senior year was actually at the end of the year. That's kind of what and ended my um, career, so to speak. I didn't get to play the last couple of games due to concussion. So um, 
Yeah, that's so that, that was through my sophomore year when I went through that process. And like I said, you take you, you're diagnosed with a concussion, you take the impact test, they kind of measure it that way, and then they gradually work you back in. So, um, again, head injuries are a bit of an odd deal. And obviously, we continue to know more and more, learn more and more about them uh, as time goes on here. So it was a bit troubling, I would say, that uh, Alex Hornerbrook was cleared and, and really participated for a few weeks before he was taken back out. So hopefully, um, like I said, now that we've kind of gone over this, but hopefully he's gotten the, taken the time his body and, and brain have needed to heal and um, be back good to go and, and prepare for the 2019 football season. Right. And so, I mean, I don't know if there's anything that's different that the Wisconsin coaching staff does necessarily. They don't really talk about what goes through the concussion protocol. Uh, but, I mean, based off of Owen, that's, that's Owen's experience and what he's had to go through as a, you know, as a former college football player uh, on right. his and, end. At- and, and really, like, if you watch any of the offseason stuff or if you catch any of that, that's it's a pretty typical thing. You'll go through the impact. Then you'll be cleared for light conditioning. They'll kind of have you on the side. Then the next port is – or the next – part excuse me is kind of like a no contact but you're padded and when you'll see the badger players during spring ball and stuff that are injured that are going through that whether it's a head injury or anything else they'll be in a yellow jersey it's just simply a a different jersey it's a non-contact they'll go through individual drills with your position you just won't play with team stuff or contact stuff and then that contact is the next obviously the last step to get through so um yeah Yeah, it's I was so saying, it's, 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 it's detailed, and they, and they make sure that obviously the player can go through it. Which right, and it's, it's pretty pretty universally governed by the NCAA. Obviously, it's become a much more um, pressing concern over the past few years um, as we continue to learn more about head injuries. And, and obviously, every school, their, their athletic staff and athletic training staff handles that differently. But it's a pretty standard um, protocol that, that every every kid that gets a head injury has to kind of go through. Yeah. So no, I, I appreciate that insight there, Owen. And, you know, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see, uh, obviously the quarterback situation when we, when spring ball opens up sometime in March, we don't, as what we're guessing, obviously we don't know the, they haven't actually told us when that's going to take place or when it's going to start. Uh, but usually it's in March from based off of precedent, uh, and it rolls into April uh, on that note. So, uh, but we'll see, Obviously, what comes of his situation and others. Uh, on that note, for others, we confirmed with the UW official that Kyle Penniston, the tight end, uh, who will be a senior, he'll be his fifth year, which is crazy already. He came in with Hornybrook, uh, John Dietzen, and others, uh, David Edwards, for that matter, in that class of 2015. Uh, and Kyle Penniston is in the transfer portal. We confirmed with a, you know, we had asked a UW official if he's no longer, if he's left the program, he confirmed that too. Uh, though, I mean, let's just be, let's be honest too, though, Pennington could always, if obviously you have to talk to the coaching staff, I mean, the transfer portal does not mean he's left, you know, he, he can't come back to the team. He, he could, uh, but we don't know, obviously the internal situation between uh player and the coaching staff too. But I mean, there's always a chance that he could come back. He has not transferred anywhere else. Uh, and that was first reported by 24-7 Sports in terms of him actually being in the portal. With that, real quick, Owen, you know, I think it – With I was a little surprised by that because I know he didn't. He hasn't been the, the pass-catching threat that we thought he could be, but I also know that with injuries like to Xander Neville, maybe there were some new responsibilities or, or new blocking – uh, ability, you know, blocking assignments he needed to take on, uh, depending on what type of 
tight end he played, but also uh, just, you know, it, it, I think if there's an injury to Jake Ferguson, which, you know, you're always one play away from new responsibility. You saw that with Neville. You saw that now with, uh, you know, you could see that anywhere really where uh, one snap and next thing you know, you're, you're thrusted into a new role, which a lot, you see a lot of walk-ons do, but with Penniston, you know, he, I, I guess the impact of that tight end position is that, you know, an experienced player uh, that has played a, a good chunk of games now leaves. And now that that tight end room's a little thinner in depth. And, and if anything does, ha- you know, if he does leave, and this is, if he does leave, if he does in fact transfer somewhere else that you're looking at a player our position group for Mickey Turner, where it's going to be a little bit younger and, and younger guys are going to have to step up behind a guy like Ferguson. Uh, and I'm, you know, I'm always wondering about the why the inline why tight end there, uh, who's going to replace Neville. And you're talking about possibly, you know, maybe Luke Benchwell who, you know, played 10 games, started four of them last year, which is a, a good sign for him. He'll be a redshirt junior. Uh, but you're also wondering who's down in the line. Like there will be some younger guys that'll probably have to step up now if Penniston, you know, is confirmed if he does transfer out elsewhere. Right. And that's something uh, I think we should probably try to make clear is that I, one thing I don't like to do is speculate based on like, so I think it's easy for us a lot of times to like treat the team that we cheer for or that you cover or whatever the case may be. Like you treat it like you're playing NCAA football and you're like, Oh, well this guy's transferring. He must not have got enough playing time or must this or that. Like there's a lot of stuff that goes on here, especially for these kids. Kyle Pennison's from California. Um, so he's a long way from home. We don't know if he's on path to graduate or not. Could certainly be pursuing like the graduate transfer market. He could be looking kind of putting his feelers out that way. Um, could be an injury thing that's not disclosed. So it's a, there's a lot of speculation, and that's why I try not to to do that. Um, so certainly, and like you mentioned, there's nothing prohibiting him from coming back uh, to play for UW. Uh, he hasn't transferred anywhere, um, and because he's not currently working with the team, doesn't keep him from coming back. Um, but obviously, there's a lot a lot there that's a bit unknown. Um, so that's kind of all I really feel comfortable um, talking about there, but you're right. Certainly uh, behind Jake Ferguson, there's a lot of guys that I think UW is, is fairly high on or, or that they obviously have, have brought in for a reason, but game experience really lacking. So you've got Jake Ferguson. Then you've, like you mentioned, Luke Benshaw right behind him is a fourth year junior or about to be a fourth year junior. You also have a fourth year junior in Gabe Lloyd, who I believe is still a walk on um, at the position. They'll have a redshirt freshman or two of them in Cormac Sampson, who was a part of last year's recruiting class, and Jack Eschenbach, who was a walk-on from Illinois. Uh, and then obviously the two incoming players, Hayden Rucci and Clay Cundiff. So uh, neither of the tight ends are early enrollees. So uh, they'll be their first action will be in uh, August or late July. So um, certainly not the, the deepest of positions on the roster, uh, if Penniston does decide to, in fact, transfer or, or leave the university. So, yeah, obviously, no, it, position, there's opportunities there to be had. There's a lot of snaps to be had there, um, and it may be coming from uh, someone you don't necessarily expect or haven't seen before, but um, it's obviously a, a lot of almost any football cr- program, but uh, in particular UWs with how they operate, is it's next man up, and, and you're expected to contribute and be ready and prepared. Right, and that leads us into our next topic on the show on Bucky's Fifth uh, Quarters podcast, or what do we call it, Bucky's Fifth Podcast, uh, still uh, as part of uh, the SB Nation Team Brands Network now, uh, our first real episode as part of the 
Team Brands Network. It we wanted to talk about, and we're going to go through probably. And Owen and I will talk about this when we start it, but we'll probably mid February start talking about uh, previewing the positions for spring ball. Uh, and you know, we've done that. We did that last year, and we also did it during for fall camp position previews. But before that, we wanted just to kind of maybe just put our dip our toe in the water in the proverbial pool of of college football 2019. Not to go too deep because obviously there are a lot that can change. There's a lot that can change with rosters and in players leaving or not being able to play due to injury anymore. We've seen that with Wisconsin throughout the years, both on transfers and just leaving due to injury problems. So uh, we don't want to go too in depth, but we did want to kind of touch on uh, with the Penniston transfer news. We wanted to hit on just which position groups seem deeper and which do not. And I think, you know, let's, let's kick off with one that I, we think even with, with the attrition that we've seen with three starting offensive linemen right now that are confirmed, that's Michael Dieter, Bo Benchwell, and then also David Edwards, who declared early to play uh, to be in the NFL draft. Uh, I think even with their departures, and this is your level, you know, this is your position group of expertise, Owen, the offensive line I still think is pretty deep. Uh, with talent now, you know, and, and some players that are ready to play now that maybe haven't had a chance to play on that side of the ball. Uh, and that I think, you know, uh, Cole Van Lannon's the big name that, that played with John Dietzen at left tackle. That was in a platoon. Uh, Jason Erdman, uh, Tyler Biotish is coming back as, as the center for this year. And then you have guys like Caden Lyles who played defensive line who switched over last year. And then a guy like Logan Bruss, uh, who I think is the likely candidate to start at right tackle because of his athleticism, but also the fact that he stepped up and became that number two right tackle when David Edwards had to miss games this season due to that that arm shoulder type injury that he had. For sure. I think that's something where it was extremely clear from the jump when Paul Chris took this job that he was not happy uh, with where the position was at. And you saw that with him starting four redshirt freshmen. Uh, in his the last couple games of his first year and as well as the bowl game. After that point, obviously we're a bit removed from that. Those guys are now gone. Uh, Micah Kapoy, Bo Benshaw, Michael Dieter. Um, Jake Maxwell's career didn't finish uh, the way he probably thought it would due to injuries and stuff like that. Uh, it's like we're talking. So the last few years have really been built about building depth. Uh, the Badgers have had so many guys that have, that have played. Like I said, Dieter was a four-year starter. Benchall started 49 games. Micah Kapoy was a, a key reserve that played uh, quite a bit. And now obviously with David Edwards leaving, that was another two plus year starter um, now gone. So during all that time, you've got a lot of guys behind them who are gaining valuable experience, um, both uh, in practice, and then as well as continuing to physically develop um, in the weight room, so in the off season, so a lot of those guys now are kind of it's their time to rise to the top because the spots are finally open, right? So you see guys like Cole Van Landen who pushed his way into the starting lineup last year. Cole, uh, Logan Bruss is super athletic guy, and until we know otherwise, I'm still going with the assumption that the offensive line is in the traditional alignment, but flipped. So because Alex Hornerbrook's left-handed, the right tackle is the blindside tackle. Um, and Logan Bruss is shown to be the most athletic tackle that's played behind uh, David Edwards. Um, so 
and obviously he finished the year there. So I'm going to roll with that um, until I see otherwise that, that he'll be the right tackle. You've got a lot of guys, though, that have played some or have been around at the very least, been around for quite a bit uh, and, and are likely chomping at the bit to get some playing time. Tyler Beach is a guy who will be a third year junior or third year sophomore, excuse me, uh, came in with that same class as Logan Brust, uh, came in with a bit of fanfare, uh, was recruited um, and offered by, I know, at least Michigan, if maybe not Notre Dame as well. A uh, big recruit from Port Washington. He'll have a chance to compete. Um, guys like Caden Lyles, like you mentioned, who really took one for the team last year and played defensive line um, when it probably would have been fairly easy for him to remain as an offensive lineman. Um, guys like Josh Seltzner, who was a walk-on that's uh, found his way into the two deep last year. Uh, big guy from Columbus, Wisconsin. Um, and then you've got like Michael Furtney, uh, who was redshirted last year, was a, a coveted tackle out of Michigan. I know that the staff really liked. And then obviously you've got the headliner, the five-star freshman Logan Brown, who um, is obviously carries in quite a bit of fanfare. I believe in the 24-7 final rankings, he's the number seven player in the country. Um, but that's obviously no, no guarantee that he'll either one, get playing time, or two, make the two deep. And that's one, a, uh, a result of the depth that's been built over the past few years, which is good. Um, and the other thing is that it's not going to push him into a position where he's forced to contribute or play when he's not ready. Um, and that's something that I remember Paul Christ in the second, after his first season at the Big Ten Media Day, mentioned not even Joe Thomas played as a freshman at UW. And just because you put that W on your helmet doesn't mean that you're a good offensive lineman. So Paul Christ, well, obviously, and they showed it this year, will play the players who are best and ready, able to play. Um but most coaches, and I would imagine Coach Kirch is the same, that they would prefer to let the young guys develop at least a little bit before being pushed into action. Yeah, and I, I mean, like I said, there's a lot going on. We still don't know exactly what's going to happen. Uh, when I mean, and you think, I mean, Logan Brown, you, you see the tenacity and you see the length that he has. I think, you know, like when he steps on the campus, he'll be, uh, you know, he's at the already at the frame and the weight that you want a player, you know, offensive lineman to be there. And he's only going to get stronger here. And he is the highest rated, you know, lineman uh, or recruit. I think that's been signed by Wisconsin since, uh, you know, Josh Oglesby went back uh, in the mid 2000, mid to late 2000s. So it, you know, uh, we'll see there, but that's one position. And then looking at uh wide receiver, looking at, you know, I, I think to me, this seems, this is, if we're going to do two offense, two defense right now, I think it's wide receiver uh, where you have, there is depth there with guys that have played AJ Taylor, Kendrick Pryor, Danny Davis. You have Aaron Crookshank coming back, who was a true freshman in 2018. Taj Mustafa played in four games before he redshirted. Uh, and then you also guys like Jack Dunn, Adam Krumholtz. Uh, I'm, I'm saying it's deep. I'm not, you know, I'm still looking at, I, you know, and we'll get to a couple of mailbag questions too. And I'm wondering if they'd ever even look at maybe a, a transfer at the wide receiver spot to give another possible playmaker for, uh, for Hornybrook or Cone or, or whoever Graham Mertz, if you know, whoever steps up and actually takes over the starting quarterback position there. Uh, but I, I think receivers won as well. For sure. And, and receivers in another position, like where they're really, it's just a bit of a log jam there uh, at the moment. So it's another position that was fairly young when Paul Chris took over. And a couple of years ago, you kind of saw the fruits of, the older guys um, leaving, uh, George Rushing, grad transferred to Buffalo, and Jazz Peavy never um, 
or I guess he began his senior season, but eventually left the team. So a lot of that experience has been kind of cultivated here by these younger guys. You're going to have AJ Taylor, who's a four-year contributor um, as the only senior at the position where a position where you could really fairly easily run down about 10 to 12 names, which hasn't always been the case at UW um, that you could say, I don't know if they're really that far from seeing the field um, from where they're at. They might not see the field though, because of who's in front of them. So they're certainly in a bit of a unique situation as far as UW is concerned. But um, yeah, I would definitely agree with you. It's, it's by far one of the deepest um, positions on the roster, both by numbers as well as, as the quality of players they've brought in. Yeah, and I think, you know, one name to I'm always interested in is is, is Cade Green. And I wonder if you like with the slot receiver. I mean, this year, you know, he he played in one game. I checked his participation, he played in one game that was I think believe it was special teams. Uh, I'm I'm intrigued to see what he does. Uh he returned punts at times in fall camp. Uh but you know, obviously Jack Dunn and Danny Davis did it this year. I'm wondering how he looks in, in there, but also as more of a special team, but also as a receiver, maybe in the slot, he did some things towards the end of fall camp, you know, as a member of the scout team that kind of stood out to me. So I really wonder how he'll take his game to the next level as well. Uh, and against that secondary, I think two one defense uh, as just to wrap up the segment two cornerback and safety. I like, obviously you and I both, I think gush about the depth and the talent that's at, you know, and the youth, I would say at that position for Jim Leonard at cornerback, you know, you have pl- players that are very capable. We tried Wild Goose. Uh, you have a two deep or a three deep, possibly, of players that could start and, and be effective. That goes that Madison Cohen, Deron Harrell, Caesar Williams, Fayon Hicks, uh, Dante Burton started a game and, and still kept his red shirt as well. Uh, and then safety, you know, you're losing Dakota Dixon, who's a, the general of, of the defense. Lots of leadership there, but with him being injured, Eric Burrell stepped up and played well. You saw Scott Nelson, when he was healthy, play relatively well, needs to clean up his tackling, I would say, is probably the one big blemish on his game uh, from his redshirt freshman campaign. But, uh, you know, others also stepped up where, you know, I think uh, safety could be something. You know, Seth Currens is still there. Uh, and I, I like, you know, Reggie Pearson as well, where who he flashed before, you know, the injuries kind of, you know, knocked him down a bit and we'll have uh, something up on Bucky's fifth quarter as well about the expectations for the safety unit. But I think there's a lot of talent there in the, de- in the defensive backfield. Yeah. At both positions really throughout the entirety of the secondary. And the biggest thing that really stands out to me, um, there isn't a senior. Uh, I, the, it's, it's, it's insane to me, the amount that of talent that they've acquired at these positions seemingly in such a rash, rapid fashion, excuse me, that um, so obviously in 2017, they had the good year. They went undefeated in the regular season. Those The top three corners that played a good a good amount in that season were Nick Nelson, who now plays for the Raiders, Dante Carrier-Williams, who's left the team and is now at Vanderbilt, and Derek Tindall, um, who's since graduated. Derek Tindall was the last cornerback to graduate from University of Wisconsin. So that's two years – or that's was prior to last season. They didn't have any seniors – at the position this year, they won't have any seniors at the position this upcoming season. Um, so really at the 2020 position, they've got Caesar Williams, Madison Cohn, um, Eric Burrell, Seth Kearns, and Colin Wilder for the, the, the players that should conceivably see quite a bit of time. Colin Wilder, obviously being the, the Houston transfer from last year. So they've got five fourth year juniors and those that's 
those are the old dudes in the position group. Um, so you're really going to see, I think, another another year here of um, really we'll see how good Jim Leonard can make these young kids because there's certainly no shortage of talent or ability in this group. Um, so the level that they're able to pick up the defense, to the how quickly they're able to do that and then gel with together, um, the secondary as a whole I think is absolutely nasty um, and really in a year or two has the, the potential to – be in that position to have two to three seasons in a row of multiple professional prospects in each year. Um, so certainly secondary as a whole, um, and especially cornerback, really in a, an advantageous position for Wisconsin right now. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Now looking at the flip side, right? Uh, Positions that could not be as deep as we'd think. And I think you and I would both agree right now. There are players returning, but you're... I would say at outside linebacker, there are many unproven. And, uh, I, you know, I think it's a, with Andrew Van Ginkle going to the NFL or pursuing his NFL dreams, I should say. Zach Bond stepped up in a good way uh, last year. I thought he, he played well towards the end, the rust from missing the 2017 season because of that foot injury. I thought he made a bigger impact as it went on. He's still not as built or as as a Garrett Dooley or Leon Jacobs. Well, no one is for Leon Jacobs for that matter. Uh, but uh, I think with Bond coming back, they have one starter solidified. But I'm wondering from, from the likes of Tyler Johnson, Christian Bell, uh, Isaiah Green May, Noah Burks, can a young Jalen Franklin, who will be a redshirt freshman, um, others, except a Kenneth Spencer Lytle, from you know a true freshman who's already an early enrollee, can he make an you know can he step in and, and get in the weight room, add some muscle, and then possibly contribute uh, on you know on the edge too? So I think that's that's one of the big things on the defense. I'm still wondering about. Yeah, and obviously I'm not gonna to for the sake of not saying the same exact things that you did, but you're right. Zach Bond's really the only guy who I think has established himself as a clear, at the very least established playmaker um, or, or contributor on the defense, Tyler Johnson, Christian Bell, guys that conceivably Noah Burks conceivably should be able to step up. Haven't really done it yet. Isaiah Green May is going to be a third year sophomore who is still listed at like six six two twenty. Um, So he's still a bit of a project. I know he's really been that, that specialist pass rusher they've been trying to look for. Um, haven't seen a ton of him yet. And yeah, like I said, other than that, you're, it's a lot of guys that, based on potential or based on recruiting hype um, could be uh, in a position to make a difference, but it's really going to see, it's going to be interesting to see that position probably more than any, uh, as far as I'm concerned in spring ball, how that, how that goes. Jalen Franklin, Mason Platter missed all of last year with an injury. Spencer Lytle. Um, a lot of guys, there's, there's a lot of snaps up for grab at outside linebacker. Uh, and it'll really be interesting to kind of see how that, uh, how the, the pieces fall into place there. Yeah, absolutely. And and when you come to uh, another thing on defense, you know, I'm wondering, uh, you know, defensive line, you know, I'm I'm still, uh, you're losing Olivier Sangapalu, 
that's one player, obviously. And he was playing really well, in my opinion, before he got injured. Uh, and that was, you know, before the Northwestern game. But then during the Northwestern game, he was lost for the year. And then you also, I mean, the health is there. If, if you have, a, a you know, a the lineup of Bryson Williams in the middle, who will be a true sophomore, who I thought played well in his first year. But then if you have guys like, Isaiah Loudermilk and Garrett Rand, who I think is going to be, a, I think he was a huge loss uh, in my opinion last year, but he'll be a redshirt junior along with Loudermilk. I think if they can, those three can stay healthy. I think that's a really good defensive line, but behind that, I'm, I'm still, I, I want to see more out of Matt Henningsen, who I thought as a former walk-on did a great job and stepped up as a second year player uh, called on when he needed to be called upon, uh, beat out guys like Aaron Vopel and David Foff and Craig Howe. And made you know made impact there, uh, but I'm all, I'm just I still want to see a little bit more production because I think that's what hurt the defense a little bit was just that youth uh, and the injuries. Uh, you know, the, a defensive line is so underrated in a three four a base three four look that uh, you know in terms of eating up blocks characteristically. Uh, I'm I still want to see a little bit more out of that group and. And then on top of that, you know, behind Bryson Williams, you have Gunnar Roberge right now as a as a walk on nose tackle. Uh, who's going to fill that role? Will Rand flip back to the inside if he absolutely needs to be, or is he going to be a true end now? Uh, but you know, and I think it's going to be dependent upon if some younger guys can step up or if Roberge can step up to take that number two spot. Yeah, I think this is probably the position more so than any um, where you could absolutely see another they've had a bit of a string here of true freshmen getting playing time uh Sagapolu started for the better part of four years and then Garrett Rand was his backup as a true freshman and then you saw last season with Bryson Williams being a true freshman getting time you're right the starting lineup of Loudermilk Rand and Bryson Williams that's fine like that's completely cool outside of that man it's pretty rough water uh, Matt Henningsen came in he played fine last year he was he, performed admirably was one of the least productive pass rushers in the country um, per PFF. Um, And that's not his game, but that's a reality Uh, in the country. He had, I believe he had five pressures and over 290 pass rush snaps. So just simply one of those things, that's not his game. David Foff and Craig Howell will be fifth year seniors. We'll see if they'll be able to get their way on the field. I know Foff did a bit last season, uh, as a rotational guy, um, but it's certainly starting to show that it's a position that Wisconsin has really kind of struggled to recruit or at least struggled to find difference makers at um, since Paul Chris took over. So certainly a, a big-time opportunity for someone like Keanu Benton, I think, would be a guy that they'll try to play at nose, and uh, it would be a true freshman in-state guy. A lot of the defensive linemen they brought in last season were those longer – lankier types that that are probably more suited to play either the five tech end or the the four i three um defensive tackle spot so no tackle is bryson williams that's the only scholarship player on the roster right now um at that position and that's um to be honest as a power five program that at least at his fan base i know the program itself does but for a fan base that that really thinks that they should be in the discussion for being a potential college football playoff Contender, um, it's pretty wild to me uh, that they have one scholarship nose tackle on the roster. But regardless, um, a big opportunity for a lot of these guys. And um, 
when you only play with three defensive linemen on the field and your base package, they have to be good. And I think you saw a lot of times last year where that wasn't necessarily the case. And I'm certainly not beating up on the kids. They, they're not my game and that's not what I'm here to do. But you, there was a clear lack of dynamic playmaking ability from the defensive line um, in last year's base packages. And, and I think that's obviously something that will be looked, uh, looked at for this year um with some returning guys or to be to be healthy and and i'm sure uh coach leonard is certainly looking for that to become um a change for them as well right and the last position we'll look at in terms of depth that we feel could be a little worrisome let's go with your end Uh, you had one that you wanted to talk about before we talked about some uh recruiting yeah man so running back right so they've got jonathan taylor who for my money is is as good as any running back in the country right now um, and, and whether your your flavor is DeAndre Swift or Cam Akers or however else, Jonathan Taylor is right up in that discussion. He'll be a Heisman favorite this upcoming season, and he's rushed for over 4,000 yards in two seasons. That's pretty good. Um, outside of him, you've got Garrett Groshek, who is Mr. Dependable, super steady. Probably um, the preference of the staff to be the third down back. Um, Groshek is, is good in pass pro and he's a smart guy and he's really good with running draws and, and catching checkdowns, but certainly not the guy that you're looking to um, line up seven yards deep and pound into the, into the defensive front. Then you have Bradrick Shaw, who's a fifth year senior who I think, and as oddly as this is going to kind of turn out, I think is going to like step right into where Taiwan deal was and be the other base package base personnel running back um, used to spell Jonathan Taylor. Outside of that, you've got Nakia Watson, who's a redshirt freshman, um, who's like 230 pounds, who came in last year and redshirted, obviously. And that's it uh, as for scholarship players. You've got four scholarship running backs on the roster. Um, Hunter Johnson's a walk-on from a couple years ago, set a bunch of high school records here in Wisconsin. Um, and then they've got Julius Davis coming in in the fall. But outside of that, that's not a lot of guys. Um, obviously, there's a different stories here, but I can tell you that Alabama probably has four five-star backs on scholarship and Wisconsin has four running backs on scholarship right now. So um, obviously apples to oranges there a bit, but um, something to to watch moving forward that for a program that predicates itself on running the football 30 or so times a game um, to have only four scholarship running backs is a bit wild um, to look at heading into spring ball. Yeah, I think that's a fair call out. And I want to see how Bradrick Shaw rebounds from an injury. There are pieces there like it was last year, but we'll see what comes of it from that end uh, and, and how they, how the team just, you know, uh, how the, that running back group, I'm sure John said, will have that, that position group ready. If anything does happen to Jonathan Taylor, it is a substantial drop. But anytime you have a, a back like that, it, there's going to be a, I think a substantial drop behind them too. And I think to a lower extent too, I think fullback will be interesting to watch. You know, uh, UWBadgers.com's Mike Lucas had an article that led off with Alec Ingold talking about Mason Stocky. I think that, you know, the way that how he how Ingold felt about Stocky to me was more of an endorsement that made me feel more comfortable about the position. But Stocky has had some injury problems. So who's going to be behind him where uh, will be like a guy like Quan Easterling, a true freshman, if he can pick up the offense? He's not coming in early for that matter. how will John Chanel and, and guys like Coy Wayner and Jay Collinsworth, you know, how will they react to that? That's going to be something that will be sorted out down the road. So we'll see, uh, obviously. So I think running back will be interesting nonetheless. Uh, so 
before we get going, uh, we, we saw that Cole Dokovich interview coming up that we're going to play in just a couple minutes. We want to get what we call our segment B5 Cruiting. I talked to you guys earlier this week with Nick Olson talking about we'd get to this part. Big, big couple weeks for recruiting for Wisconsin. Uh, some uh, some junior days from what was reported by like by uh, 24-7 Sports and, and obviously John McNamara from Badger Blitz, part of the Rivals Network. You had we t- t- touched on it earlier this today. Uh, two commitments f- in state, by the way. Five of the six 2020 verbal commitments are from the state of Wisconsin. So you're talking about building up that wall, folks. Like what Barry Alvarez preached in his bl- blueprint, they're doing it right now. Uh, you know, 2020 wide receiver Chimray DK from Waukesha North. All, you know, WFCA All State. Uh, you know, honoree caught over 70. I think it was like 79 passes. I think it was about 12 touchdowns. Uh, and then 2020 linebacker slash tight end slash wide receiver, Cole Dakovich. Uh, kid's about 6'5". Lanky can move in coverage. I, I talked to uh, one of his coaches earlier this week for an article that I'll run on Bucky's fifth quarter coming up. Uh, and it was a uh, Matt Bergen, who's the athletic director at Waukesha Catholic Memorial, and talked about how they needed a nickel-type outside linebacker guy on an edge, and he he fit the mold there. And, and it just seems like he can do a lot uh, for that. And he's I think he's got that frame to build either stay at outside linebacker. He could go inside and play defensive line, uh, defensive end, uh, not on the edge there, but just on the line. But also, you know, on the opposite side of the ball, uh, tight end so we'll talk with Cole in just a second but I mean two big uh, before you know before we get to that Owen two big commitments in state and Wisconsin now has six uh, already for this class yeah so obviously we're way early but 24-7 has the Badgers ranked number seven nationally uh, number two in the Big Ten with this class so far and uh, yeah I think that's the first thing that really steps out is that the top five ranked recruits right now are all from in-state Wisconsin um over the last two classes, I think it was that Kyle Prynne that tweeted this. Over the last two classes, the Badgers have only brought in seven in-state guys over the past two years. So for them to have five already is pretty substantial. And I think the other thing that really stands out is three of them are linemen. Um, and that's a, that's a big thing that was Barry Alvarez's whole thing is that he was going to build the body of the team from in-state and then go get the hands and feet elsewhere. Um, and that's kind of how it's how it's looking here. Uh Two four-star tackles. Obviously, uh, Dakovich being a, a bit of a wild card could be a bit of uh, his versatility. He could probably end up at a couple different spots. And in between uh, DK, who I'm ecstatic that you pronounced his name first, so I didn't have to do that, and Ben Barton. Um, those That's five in-state guys, and it's really kind of telling to see where the, the coaches are looking to continue to go with the program. Um, they're obviously trying to continue to make strength – can make – strengths stronger um in the trenches and um guys like Dakovich, that's the prototype that they're looking for at outside linebacker um they've got guys like like tyler johnson who's a bigger dude um but but played quarterback in high school you've got guys like noah burks who are not quite as lanky uh at the position i think that's something that Dakovich um could end up end up at uh and that's something too where you're getting guys like close like i know um I believe it was on 24-7, there was talk that Ben Cruel wasn't at the uh, – the guy that just committed to Purdue, also a CMH guy, wasn't at the junior day. And in-state um, D-lineman Logan Wilson from Kimberly also wasn't at the, the junior day. So they're getting the guys that they're targeting um, pretty clearly. 
however fans or however they want to feel about in-state guys going elsewhere is is kind of a, a different conversation but they're getting the guys that they want from in-state and i think that's what starts everything because i know at least wisconsin in general um not to compare them to illinois but uh buddy of mine is a big illinois fan and he was talking about he's like yeah illinois is starting to recruit 2020 and i was like dude wisconsin already has six commits and that's huge to building classes because then they can continue to prioritize the guys they want because they know that there aren't a ton of spots left. Right. So um, it makes things, it clears things up for Wisconsin a bit in recruiting and um, certainly encouraging again, that, that for the, the uh, notoriety of the program that you're getting in state kids, that's great, but they're getting the guys that they want uh, most importantly. And that's obviously um as as the recruiting has taken an uptick here with the Badgers over the past couple seasons, that's super encouraging um, moving forward that they're getting the targets that they want um, and can kind of move forward that way. So certainly yeah. trending up in recruiting, I think, and, and um, going to be exciting to see how they, they decide to target the rest of this class, um, obviously with so many of the in-state guys already committed. Yeah, I mean, it's a uh, – I mean, you, with that and then some of the junior day – guys that came in you talk about prioritizing you know out-of-state guys they had some come in from out of town we, we recapped you know, some that were reported and who tweeted it out earlier this week you know daniel jackson a, a four-star wide receiver from kansas former teammate uh of graham mertz when mertz was at bishop niege uh jackson comes from there has an offer from notre dame as well and in one of the more high high profile wide receivers uh, and, and you saw Mac, McNamara's article saying that he'd have uh, that Jackson said he'd place Wisconsin in his top five. So I think that's a good standing there. Uh, twenty twenty running back Reggie Love did not was not able to make the trip, uh, though he had said earlier in that week that he was. Uh, but that's a name to watch, I think, too, in terms of running backs uh, this year. Uh, and so it's you know, like I said, they can build off of that. So they have the in-state guys, but then they can go out of state. Uh, and really uh, build upon the class and get who they who they want and, and target from there. Um, without further ado, though, let's get to this interview with Cole Dakovich here on Bucky's with Podcast. Great interview with him, just talking the the junior, current high school junior, you know, multi sport athlete. We talk about that a little bit, and we just go into detail and in, in how how it's helped him progress as well uh, wisconsin loves multi-sport athletes everyone loves i think every program loves multi-sport athletes uh for, for a variety of reasons so we talk with him about that uh and other stuff so guys sit back after this we're gonna take a quick break too you probably already heard another ad uh earlier in the podcast uh you're gonna hear one more after cole uh and we'll take it home from there so here is cole dakovich 2020 wisconsin commit here on bucky's fifth podcast and we are here now with one of the newest Wisconsin commits for the class of 2020 from Waukesha Catholic Memorial, very prominent high school program here in the state. We got Cole Dakovich uh, and committing just on, you know, a few days ago, Cole, man. I mean, first off, how busy has your phone been messages, emails? Uh, yeah, I'm sure so social media, how crazy has it been uh, for you to, you know, the past few days for you? It's been really crazy. A lot of people calling to congratulate, um, talking to a lot of old coaches, the people that um, coached me growing up and stuff like that. I believe it. I believe it. It's. Uh, I'm sure you've gotten quite a few media messages as well uh, going through. And, uh, it. you know, we appreciate you having on the podcast here on Bucky Smith Podcast. First question, really, when did, you know, I, I read up that you, 
this past year in 2018 was your first year playing high school football and, you know, yeah. you, and whatnot, you, you, we've seen the tweet, I mean, playing very well for basketball uh, as well. But when did you realize you wanted to play football again, but this time at the high school level? Um, it was the spring of last year. So the spring of my sophomore year. And I mean, I, I'm, I remember high school pressure, peer pressure, man. Like, like how hard were the, you know, Catholic Memorial coaches, players trying to get you to play your friends? How much, how, how bad was it where they were, they were trying to get you to come out and, and, and try football again? It was, it was everywhere. Um, <laughs> coaches, my friends, cause football is just such a big part of CMH. And, and that's the main focus of a lot of people there. So I was constantly hearing it. I believe it. I, I believe it. I mean, and I mean, your first year, right? 105 tackles, 18 for loss, two interceptions, blocked punts. Was there a moment when, was there a moment that you realized when you were back on the field, you know, uh, that you could, that you're able to make an impact like you did your, your junior year, your, your first year back playing the game. Yeah, I think I think a couple games in, I realized that that if I really focused on it, I could I could probably be pretty be pretty good. Um, especially after the second game, after the the block punt against North, that was probably when I realized that I, I was definitely playing the right sport now. I mean, and, and what what made you come back uh, to football? Uh, I mean, did you did you play it? You played it earlier on, correct? Like, what made you come yeah. back to the game? Um, I. It was a lot of just talking um, with my friends and with my family about um, what I think is best uh, and what they thought. And uh, I talked to the coaches about it, and they thought it was a really smart move. And after I made the uh, the decision, I just I went all in, and it it uh, it definitely paid off. Yeah, absolutely. Now, talk, talking to Cole Dakovich, the Wisconsin commit here on Bucky's fifth quarter, and you know when did the relationship with Wisconsin really start and, and begin to develop? It started around mid-season, I'd say. Um, they had Coach Herring come down to one of our games. Um, and then I went to the Wisconsin-Nebraska game and the Wisconsin-Illinois game. And then after the, um, the start of the new year is when uh, things started to really pick up. Gotcha. And I mean, uh, where, I, I guess, what was the feeling? I mean, you, you tweeted out the offer last Saturday. Mm-hmm. What was the feeling that goes through you where, you know, how was that offer given to you and, and for what positions uh, were, were they looking at for you? Uh, and just what was the feeling overall of, I mean, this is your first year, you know, playing, you know, high school football and right after the season now you're, you're getting an offer from Wisconsin. Yeah, it was it was insane. Um, so when we got there, we took a uh, a little tour of the of the facilities, and then Coach Chris brought um, me and my family into his office, and and that's where he uh, that's where he offered, and it was just it was a crazy feeling. I mean, I I did not expect to be here after just a year of playing football, but um, it's it's a great feeling. When it when it comes to, I mean, uh, what positions are they looking at you at? I know you and I, I think, had, had a separate conversation via social media, but is, is looking at you, uh, what positions are they looking at you at currently? Um, right now, it's um, 
kind of more between outside linebacker and tight end, but I think they're they're kind of still up in the air as far as, as where they want me between those. Between those two. Uh, I was going to say, for that matter, like what positions did you play this past season? Looking, I'm seeing some linebacker, some wide receiver, uh, if I'm not mistaken. And, and like, where do you foresee yourself playing your senior year at Catholic Memorial? Uh, next year, I'm going to be playing, um, depending on where we move things around on the defensive side, either outside linebacker or DN. And then offensively, I'll be playing tight end. Um, I split out in tight receiver last year just because um, that was where we had the uh, the need to fill the spot because there was a a tight end um, that really played the spot well a senior this year. And so there um, was kind of just more of a need to fill the wide receiver spot. Gotcha. On the offense or defensive side, is there any position that feels more natural to you at this point? Not really, to be completely honest. I mean, it's it's all kind of new. It's all kind of getting um, getting back, getting used to it. Gotcha, gotcha. And we're here with Cole Dokovich, uh, Wisconsin 2020 commit here on Bucky's Fifth Podcast. And really, it's I guess you know where where do you feel that you've made the biggest progression in one year playing football, and what do you want to continue to work on uh, in terms of building up? And obviously, college though you know, uh, you've seen what Wisconsin's done in developing players, but uh, what are you hoping to work on now, you know, up until your senior year? Yeah. Um, I feel like probably my biggest progression was just getting, getting to know the game, like getting back used to, um, you know, tendencies and, and getting used to, to feeling out the game. Um, I think what I would want to work on most this off season is, um, getting faster side to side and just straight vertical speed um, and getting off the line a lot quicker. And when you, I mean, we, we talked about you moving on that offer quickly. What made you decide to verbally commit uh, so, you know, quickly after that first offer and, and just, uh, you know, what was the decision process and talking with family and then, uh, you know, talking with, with coach Chris and the, and the staff, what were just some of the, decisions and the, just the thought process to go into, to making the verbal commitment happen so quickly. It playing at Wisconsin has, has really always been a dream um, of mine. And that's, that's really the main reason why I committed so quickly is because um, once I got that offer, it was, it was honestly like a dream come true. And I just, I wanted to act on it right away. And when I guess if you know, not many fans, 99.9% of the fans will not understand what goes into to making a verbal commitment. If you could take us through where you informed the coaching staff about your commitment, you know, where were you, who were you with and what were the conversations and emotions like uh, when you told the coaching staff that you're going to commit to the Badgers? Yeah. So I was, uh, I was in my head coach's office. Um, and I was with him, our head coach, and our athletic director, Coach uh, Bergen. And uh, I called him, and I just I, I said pretty much what I said to you. I said that just it's always been a dream of mine to play Wisconsin, and I really appreciate the opportunity. Um, and then it's it's I really felt like um, after that I was really part of the the Badger family, and and I'm really looking forward to uh, to the next couple of years. And uh, I was going to say, uh, 
what was the like what was the coaching like what or who did you talk to from from the other side again and then what really you know what was the excitement like on their end yeah i talked to uh coach herring and then and then coach christ um they, they were really excited especially because you know only after um one year of playing football they think i got a uh a really a really um promising upside um and potential is to be an impact player on their program and we're here with Cole, Cole Dakovich, uh, here for Bucky's fifth podcast, a part of Bucky's fifth quarter. And, you know, we've kind of gone through, I know it's not maybe the standard questions, Cole, uh, that we usually ask for an interview, but we're gonna have some fun here. Uh, we do some quick hitters at the end of all this. So, uh, nothing too crazy, uh, and whatnot, but, uh, first off, we always ask, what's your favorite workout music? Favorite workout music? I don't know. To be honest, I really like to switch it up just so it's not, uh, not a lot of repetitive stuff, but. You know, these are typical rap, um, but I like to throw in some other stuff in there just to keep it uh, keep it fresh. Nice. Do you have a, a separate playlist for, for workouts? And then, like, do you have a separate one for pregame, right before a game at all? Or, or is it all just kind of jumbled together? Yeah, yeah. I like to keep my pregame songs the same just to, to not change anything pregame up. Um, but, yeah, I got a, a different workout playlist. Uh, I was going to say, when it comes to – uh, how many sports do you play? I know, you know, basketball has been big. I think right after you got the offer, you had a big night last Saturday night. Uh, and uh, we saw tweets out there that, you know, coach Chris watched you play basketball. Uh, how many sports mm-hmm. have you played and how have they helped you overall as an athlete, uh, you know, throughout the year and in through your development? Yeah. When I was, um, before I played football, actually freshman and sophomore year, I played volleyball to try to, uh, to help with my, uh, vertical, for basketball and I think that really helps a lot with just explosiveness off the ground um, and I think basketball has helped a lot with uh, just side to side quickness and um, and different things like that I think that's really helped on the football field and I was going to say do you play any spring sports as well yeah yeah. Um, I used to play AAU basketball but this year I'm going to start uh, doing track and you said coming to Wisconsin is a dream for you. What's your f- favorite Wisconsin memory? It could be football, basketball, uh, any type of athletic memory that, that can you think of right off the top of your head? Uh, I remember when I was when I was really little, my uh, my friend and I from elementary school, his my friend and his dad, they uh, they took me out to a Badger game, and it was freezing cold outside, and we were all the way up in the nosebleeds. But it was just it was such a cool experience um, just to be able to watch the game. And one of my last questions for you with this quick hitters, I mean, we've, we've seen, you know, some, some Catholic Memorial standouts come to Wisconsin to play uh, for the Badgers. What makes the program and elsewhere for that matter, what makes the program so good from a development perspective? What makes uh Catholic Memorial's program so good? Yep. It's, it's the coaches that um, starting with coach young. I mean, he knows he's an old school coach. He knows how to do it really 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 properly and and he's got a great group of guys around him that um that helped to shape uh players into the college ready ready athletes and they uh they push us very hard and and try to instill that work ethic into us and my last question have you had a chance to talk to any of the the 2020 commits still i mean obviously uh you know there's gosh there is five out of the six verbal commitments from in state mm-hmm. Uh, have you guys had a chance to get a group chat going and, and talk? Have you guys been able to bond uh, quickly already? 
Yeah, yeah, we got a group chat on Snapchat. Um, nice. Yeah, yeah, it's nice. They're they're <laughs> great guys. Well, Cole, man, we appreciate your time here on the podcast, man. Looking forward to – I got to get out to a game in the fall uh, to watch uh, and catch you out there. Uh, you know, best of luck for, for basketball and, and the other sports leading up to it, and uh, looking forward to talking with you down the line. Yeah, thank you. Looking forward to it too. Guys, it's Cole Dakovich, 2020 commit for the Wisconsin Badgers. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back here on Bucky's fifth podcast. All right, wrapping up this show. Thank big thanks again, uh, to Owen Reese. First off, becoming a co-host here on Bucky's Fifth Podcast, Cole Dakovich for taking some time out earlier this week on on Sunday afternoon, and just thank you all for listening and making us part. You know, making this podcast worth doing. We enjoy your thoughts, and you know, real quick, we forgot too. Uh, there are a couple of mailbag questions I forgot to get to Owen. Let's let's just do these real quick. Uh, on this yeah. note and i am looking here and and big thanks to uh you know one big one uh a couple from um, brandon fanning uh and we forgot to talk about this maybe when we talked about the offensive line how big of a drop do you expect from the offensive line this year me personally i don't think there's a lot i don't i mean it's hard when you have all americans like michael dieter david edwards bo benchwell it's hard to replace that type of talent and experience but I also feel I think there'll be a little bit of a drop off, but there's some experienced guys there. And I think the talent's there to take them to the next level, but I think there'll be a little bit of a drop. Yeah. I think if you're like, so if you're looking from like a thousand feet or however, they're going to look the same. I mean, they're going to still be big. They're going to, all the, all the announcers are going to talk about is Jonathan Taylor running behind that big Wisconsin offensive line. Um, And they're going to tell you who's gone. Uh, but I, I don't expect a ton. Cole Van Landen played at least half the snaps. He rotated with John Dietzen at left tackle. Um, I know I take PFF's offensive line grades with a grain of salt, um, but they did have Cole Van Landen as the highest ranked uh, offensive tackle from in the country last year. Um, and I, th- I was certainly encouraged by his play this year. You've got Tyler Biotish who came back, had the opportunity, was probably a top 50 or so selection Um in this class, in his draft class, he came back for his fourth year. Um, I think that's certainly super encouraging. You've got guys like Jason Erdman, who has played, he's been a contributor for multiple years now. Um, guys like Caden Lyles moving back to the offensive line. And then obviously Logan Bruss and um, Tyler Beach, some of the other guys that you'd probably expect to uh, get some time. So the talent is not going to be the issue. Some of the names will be a bit unfamiliar. Um, like I said, with with some of the the longstanding guys that have started um, along the offensive line for most of Paul Christ's tenure in Madison uh, this time, but I don't expect the, the the play to drop off much. There probably won't be the same hoopla uh, as far as like NFL draft prospects or, or how, um, how talented these offensive linemen are per se, like we got uh, at the end of last year. But um, as a whole, I generally expect the offense to look basically the same. Um, Wisconsin's kind of built the depth and they have the talent to kind of turn this into a, they don't rebuild, they reload situations. So um, long answer short, I don't expect a ton of difference. Like I said, you won't have the, the, the big NFL names per se, um, but I expect the product to look pretty similar. Yeah. And one more question from Brendan, big thanks to him for asking a couple. Do you think Wisconsin will be play in, uh, will be in play for any of the players in the transfer portal? Um I don't have any insider info, 
uh, and I don't think you I do either, but um, I think they'd take a look, if I'm not mistaken. I, I think the positions of need, you know, when you look at outside linebacker, maybe a defensive lineman, whatnot, I, I think that would be something to look at. But I am... Um, I, yeah, but yeah, it's hard to say since we don't have the insider info. But I would, I'm guessing they always take a look. Yeah, I think they'd be. It would be irresponsible as a program if you didn't do your due diligence and at least entertain it. Um, I think probably if, and obviously you're right. I don't have any inside information. Um, I think the two positions though that they really would strongly consider would be the defensive line um, and tight end. Those have been really the two positions that have kind of been talked about. Post early signing period, they obviously were, they got everyone signed that they thought was going to that they wanted to sign. Um, but those are two positions, especially with Kyle Penniston now being in the transfer portal. Um, I think that's another position where they'll at least look. Certainly, no guarantees that they would make any any big strides. But um, I think, uh, like any coaching staff, I think you'd be doing yourself a disservice to it not at least look. Um, and, and to make make this roster as ready as it can be for the 2019 season. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I'm looking right now just to see defense alignment and whatnot where, um, you know, I mean, who could possibly play? Uh, you know, like there's a Malik Bar- Barrow who is uh, from Ohio State transfer. Uh, he's heading out from there. Uh, there was someone else that uh, from – forgot where exactly uh central michigan I, I forgot his name right off the top of my head and i don't have it on me which is not great for a podcast but you know i mean i'm thinking i'm wondering about that um somewhere along those lines and the outside linebackers i was wondering potentially where you know would they look at someone from you know and who they would host there i mean i, I don't know how much of a you know, an effect that Jalen Phillips from UCLA could make there or whatnot. These are just bigger names. Former five-star recruit and extremely talented. Right. And and like, should be like a top, should be like a top 20 draft pick. Right. Wherever he ends up. Right. And that, I mean, and obviously I'm sure a bunch of schools are going after him as well. Uh, But that's, that's one of the thing. That's one thing to look at. So, uh, you know, honestly, it's, it'll be interesting to see what, they do. I mean, the one I was thinking about was Keandre Jones, possibly from Ohio State, and he he's now transferred to Maryland. Uh, but then again, like I said, these are just names that of like obviously it's a wish list uh, per se. If I was a Wisconsin coach, so I digress. Yeah, I think we're taking thoughts in the dark here for sure. But yeah, I, it, to, yeah, to answer uh, to answer Brennan's question and kind of to close that, they're certainly going to take a look how much action they decide to take. Um, it's probably uh, it would be speculation on our part, but um, every college pro- football program should be if they're not looking in the transfer portal to at least kick the tires. Absolutely. So on that note, yeah, let's let's wrap it up here. Uh, we've been on here, and for those that don't know, behind the scenes we were dealing with technical difficulties, so we've been going out of this for about ninety minutes already. So uh, big thanks for Owen for for taking time and being. Uh, patient with this software uh on that note uh you know again follow us uh you know on twitter at b5q in our new instagram page you guys see pictures right now from dan Sanger uh going up you also have uh facebook like us on facebook with this podcast in general remember soundcloud 
you know, I'll record something just to let people know, but we are transferring. Nothing's going to be on SoundCloud anymore. It's all going to be on the, this new app and we'll, we'll broadcast, we'll publish articles when these new podcasts are, are sent out and, and ready to go uh, for, for us there. And then, you know, really uh, you can find us everywhere with this SB nation team brands is why we did it. Uh, just the expansive market and that ability to hopefully expand the reach of this podcast and, and fully utilize SB nation. That's why we're, we we're really happy to be a part of SB nation uh, just with its broad resources and, and it's great analysis and, and the perspective that it has, but Owen, where, where can you, where can we find this podcast coming up? Yeah, guys, be sure to follow Bucky's fifth quarter on Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure you leave a review five stars only. Um, five star reviews only, and uh, give us some feedback about the show. Tell us how you like it, what you, uh, what we can improve on. Um, and obviously, we're trying to make this product as good as we can for y'all. So, um, pitter patter, let's get at her. Five star, five star <laughs> reviews only. And podcast. Um, make sure to follow Bucky's Fifth Quarter. We're going to try and make this as good as we can for y'all. Awesome, man. Well, for Owen Reese, this is Jake Okorowski. We're going to catch you guys next week. Another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. Coming right at you guys. You guys stay safe, stay warm. Talk to you guys next week.